Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Thank you for joining us once again here today for more conversations on AOA, Agriculture of America. Great to have you along for the ride. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coming up, we got a uh, fun show on tap for you here today. In segment two, it is the December edition of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. We'll be joined today by Troy Schneider and Sarah McKay with NCGA's Market Development Action Team. We're going to be recapping the Consider Corn Challenge 4, talking about some of the winners talking about new uses for corn as well and uh, a lot of uh, fun things lined up for that discussion again coming up in segment two here today in segment three we'll talk with the president and ceo of the fertilizer institute Corey rosenbush we're going to talk about and get an update on fertilizer markets logistical issues farm bill uh, well i'm sure we'll talk about the farm bill ongoing uh, discussion there and much more we get a long list of Topics to go through with Corey Rosenbush coming up in segment three today. Then in segment four, this is an issue that uh, I think a lot of folks need to uh, pay attention to. This came across my desk a few days ago, and we're going to talk about it. It regards critical tax provisions that need to be extended. And we're going to learn more about this with Leah Biondo, Director of Advocacy for the Rural and Agriculture Council of America. So, Looking forward to uh, Leah joining us uh, coming up later in the show to discuss what exactly is going on here and why you should pay attention. So a lot of things to get to on AOA today brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL and Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Find your nearest Cenex location right around the corner or just go to Cenex.com. Well, I want to take a look at some ag news headlines here to kick off the show. But first, one note I want to share. House uh, Ag Committee Chairman Glenn G.T. Thompson uh, just want to send out well wishes to him. He announced on X, uh, formerly Twitter here, on Tuesday that he has prostate cancer. And he announced uh, on his post on X that after a routine physical subsequent test, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And while the diagnosis is a surprise, He says, I feel well and I will continue my work representing the people of Pennsylvania's 15th district. So again, thoughts uh, with uh, Congressman Glenn G.T. Thompson, the chair of the House Ag Committee, and his family as he uh, battles that diagnosis. We've had G.T. on the show before, of course, uh, quite a few times, and uh, we will be thinking about him and uh, keeping him in our thoughts and prayers here as we uh, go down the line. All right, let's take a look at news headlines here today. And uh, for the second month, farmers' sentiment improved as the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer climbed five points. November's 12-point rise in the current conditions index to a reading of 113 was primarily responsible for this month's sentiment improvement as the index of future expectations only improved by two points. Both sub-indices exceeded their year-ago levels in November. The current conditions index increased by 15%. And the Future Expectations Index was up 11% compared to November of 2022. The improved perception among U.S. farmers regarding their farm's financial condition and prospects contributed to this month's more positive sentiment reading. And I know we're working to uh, connect with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue University, who heads up the Ag Economy Barometer. 
and see if we can uh, walk through and talk about some of the numbers more with him here uh, in the next couple of days, potentially. I'm waiting to hear back on that one, as I know it's a busy uh, finals time period at uh, many colleges and universities around the country. So we'll see if we can get connected with Dr. Mintert and and talk about the November Ag Economy Barometer here uh, at some point this month on AOA. All right, other uh, news headlines. Crop Insurance Group suppose a recent government accountability office report that the industry says is fraught with recommendations that would dismantle the successful public-private partnership that delivers federal crop insurance. In a joint statement, the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau, National Crop Insurance Services, and American Association of Crop Insurers says the report contains several recommendations that would result in reduced participation in the long run. Now, the group say GAO mischaracterized the economics of the delivery system when it states that the increase in crop prices did not increase the workload to sell and service the policy. This statement ignores the fact that since 2011, the crop insurance industry has worked with USDA to implement both the 2014 and 2018 farm bills. Both of these pieces of legislation increased the availability of crop insurance products nationwide. New crop insurance products have since been developed along with specialty crop and livestock product expansion. The industry charges that the workload has, in fact, increased to meet the risk management needs of America's farmers and ranchers. Well, a group of lawmakers this week expressed concerns regarding the Department of Agriculture's requirements for the emergency relief program. In a letter to USDA, Republican Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas and Republican Representative Jody Arrington of Texas led the effort. The lawmakers say USDA's 2022 emergency relief program requirements are misguided and losing sight of the relief program's intent outlined by Congress when it was created. Now, the Biden administration's USDA made requirements that have nothing to do with helping farmers deal with natural disasters. In fact, by the USDA attaching excessive conditions to receive aid, this federal relief program could force farmers to wait even longer for assistance or completely jeopardize their ability to access the program. The letter states, quote, American producers have experienced significant losses that the administration has taken an approach that does not reflect congressional intent, end quote. Lawmakers strongly request the USDA abandon this current program and implement the framework of 2021 ERP Phase 1 as quickly as possible. In other news headlines, we head to Brazil, where health officials have confirmed a case of classical swine fever in the northern state of Puai as of Friday, December 1st. Uh, the Brazilian health authorities notified the World Organization for Animal Health that the case of CSF was found in a backyard husbandry property. There were suspicions uh, back on November 23rd, so getting this confirmed relatively quickly. And technicians slaughtered all animals on the property and started investigations whilst continuing to identify epidemiological links. Even with the confirmed cases, there uh, are no justifications for restrictions on international trade in pigs and their products. Pawai is not part of the CSF-free zone, therefore one cannot sell animals and pork products in disease-free zones. The CSF-free zone is situated in the north and northeastern parts of Brazil, so something to watch there. But again, classical swine fever confirmed in a hog herd in a backyard husbandry property in northern Brazil. And speaking of hogs, pigs, uh, the biggest pig breeders in China, consumers of uh, half the world's pork seem to have bitten off more they could chew 
Big agribusinesses have elbowed their way into the sector and are rapidly modernizing it, but have expanded pig herds so aggressively that with demand now in a downturn in China, hog prices are falling, losses are mounting, and debt is rising. More huge losses are expected next year, putting China's pig enterprises under pressure to slim down their breeding herds and sell off farms, many of which are sitting empty. According to this Reuters report, for now, however, they are digging in, hoping to wait out the market downturn and reap a bonanza when prices eventually recover. And that is raising the stakes, not just for themselves, but for their overseas feed suppliers, genetics firms, and the struggling global pork trade. Lyle Jones, China sales director at U.S.-based Genesis Inc., which supplies breeding pigs to the leading producers, says, quote, it all comes down to how deep these companies' pockets are, end quote. Now, China's cash hog prices have averaged well below even the most efficient producers' costs this year for the first time in nearly a decade, and in the past three months alone have dropped 15% to 14.5 won per kilogram. The most active live hog futures on the Dalian Commodities Exchange have tumbled over 7% since the beginning of last week, the lowest since they began trading almost three years ago, down to about $1,949 per metric ton. All right, coming up next, it is the December episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association here on AOA. AOA brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Back with more right after this. Did you know that pork is the world's most consumed meat? Pork comprises over one-third of all meat consumed. Pigs were domesticated over 9,000 years ago in 7,000 BC, and there are more than 180 species of pigs. Why pork? Well, it's not just because everybody loves bacon. Historically speaking, pork is a very easy meat to preserve via smoking, curing, or salting. Not only could it keep well before refrigeration, but it also tastes great under various preservation tactics and adaptable to a variety of flavors, spices, and dishes across different cultures and regions. There are twice as many pigs as there are people in Denmark. Did you also know that China is the world's lead pork producer? In 2020, they produced an impressive 41.13 million metric tons of the meat, which equates to almost 91 billion pounds. So the next time you dive into that plate of bacon, know that pork is the world's most consumed meat. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours, at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people. A neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. 
When is the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for staying with us here on AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Senex Premium Diesels, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Jesse Allen back with you here on the program today. And right now it is time for the December edition of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. And joining us for this month's conversation, Troy Schneider and Sarah McKay with NCGA and the Market Development Action Team. Troy, Sarah, thank you both for joining us here on this month's episode of the Monthly Grind. I hope you're doing well. Doing very good. It's uh, always good to be with you. Well, let's dive in and talk about the Consider Corn Challenge 4. And uh, really, this is something that's been going on for a few years now. Uh, Troy, tell us a little bit more for folks who might not be familiar. What is the Consider Corn Challenge? Jesse, the Consider Corn Challenge is an open innovation competition that we that market development host every other year. So, you know, it's been going on basically for eight years now. Uh, this is the fourth go around of it, but we look to establish biomaterial products and technology that utilizes corn. So we're looking into the future. Um, not everything is up and running. And some of these companies, some of these individuals have ideas that just need a little help to get over the, to, to get over that starting line and get running down the path of, of production. So mm -hmm. this year's total prize money consisted of $250,000, and we have four winners that uh, Sarah McKay will talk about in a little bit. But I think the thing that I want to let everybody know that uh, being around MDAP for the last four years, if you take all previous 15 winners from Consider Corn Challenge 1 through 3, if they reach full commercialization with their products, available to the marketplace the potential for additional corn demand would be 3.4 billion bushel so for all the listeners out there we're looking at a, a large carryover this year in corn production ending stock that's what we're trying to chip away at is that uh, that carryover let's get more more new usage out there and get them on uh, get them showcased and this mm -hmm. is what consider corn challenge for does all right. Well, thank you for the background. Let's talk about some of the winners for Consider Corn Challenge 4, and let's bring in Sarah McKay to talk about that. Sarah, uh, walk us through some of the winners and give us an overview of uh, why they won. What have they been working on? Sure thing. You know, a lot of our, our winners to date, they've spanned a variety of different um, industrial uses. So that's things from bio-based plastics to replacing petroleum-based chemicals with these bio-based, corn-based um, sources instead. And, you know, in particular, our, our winners this year, we, as Troy mentioned, we had four. Blue Stem Biosciences was one. They are located out of Omaha, and they are actually working on a really 
um, neat production process. Um, it, it, it's abbreviated 3HP, which is essentially, um, it's a chemical that can be used for the acrylics um, <clears throat> chemical marketplace. So um, they're looking at a, you know, an addressable market there of about $25 billion or yeah, $25 billion um, in, in that total marketplace. So that can be used in everything from paints and coatings to personal care products. Um, and then they're even working on a couple other different novel yeast biology technologies as well that can, can mm -hmm. go into these everyday products that we use, whether, you know, it's in your home or in industrial applications. Another winner that we had was out of Penn State University. They are actually working on um, conversion of corn starch into um, energy applications and lithium batteries. So again, you know, something really timely with um, a lot of the move into electrization and um, or electrification, excuse me, and um, a lot of the opportunities there to utilize corn starch um, in these lithium batteries. And then we had another winner, Nexaris. Um, who they are working on another kind of sugar application that can be used in the um, in the the dextrose market. So to make a lot of these different industrial chemicals instead of petroleum oil um, or other gas applications. So um, they have a really neat technology that will actually cut CO two emissions by eighty five percent, which is pretty pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And then our last winner was Maisley and they were a little bit different, not necessarily in a, or not an in industrial use, but this time they are a corn-based milk alternative. And I want to emphasize that we, um, while our, our, the judging process, you know, while they considered Maisley, you know, we wanted to make sure that we weren't offsetting our, our precious livestock partners and um, customers, but this is actually something that is available made from corn for people that can't consume dairy um, or other animal products um, because of dietary restrictions. So it's actually a new market that we can capitalize into in addition to our, our current customers. A wide range of uh, products and uses there for corn uh, with those four winners of Consider Corn Challenge 4 and uh, really cool stuff. And Troy, I'll bring this back to you. You mentioned this about looking to the future earlier with uh, the Consider Corn Challenge and, and hearing about some of those things and, and thinking about just finding new uses for corn. Uh, talk to us about why it's so important to find some of these different uses for this uh, great corn crop that we grow here in the U.S. Well, you know, if you look back to the big home run that we've all had, and that was ethanol. And ethanol didn't happen overnight. It 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 was it's been a long process. Somebody had the idea, you know, back in the day, and it had to move forward slowly. And so, one, we're trying to improve our environment. We have a good quality product here that's bio based. NCGA is working to position corn as a clear feedstock choice, not only here in the Midwest, but also for our legislatures back in Washington. And, you know, earlier I mentioned all 15 winners from in the previous three corn challenges. And if I think Sarah's still on, I think I'm right, Sarah, in the fact that all 15 previous winners are still in business, still moving forward, still Exactly. That's super impressive when we're talking about mm -hmm. startups and really speaks to, you know, we, we utilize a panel of, of industry experts for the for the judging process and um, that paired with the, the funds that the growers allocate to, to be able to continue to support these businesses and, and help them 
continue to to get closer to commercialization that's incredibly impressive and a pretty good track record to have all 15 still working towards commercialization Mm -hmm. that is an amazing amazing thing and i I think about this too and uh, you know troy i bet you could speak to this too a little more uh, just with you know how america's corn farmers continue to produce bigger and bigger crops and produce more with less so to your points uh, both of your points about kind of working to make corn the clear feedstock of choice it seems like a, a no-brainer and seems very very important to continue to expand markets for corn you know if you look at this year's corn crop we were all worried about how dry it was in the midwest back in april or may june and we were nervous about what our production was going to be if you look as we sat around at ncga the growers that come to the table if you look at what we went through back in 2012 and 13 with the drought the technology that we have now that helps us overcome environmental hurdles such as the drought the the dryness that we had earlier this year mm-hmm. and i know the two years were different uh, drastically different but we still came out with you know a large corn crop so we are doing more we're, we're raising more bushels with less acres and we're just more efficient. You know, if you look back at 2021, we had a 1.5 million bushel carry out. Um, you know, whether we grow when we grow more corn and then we have hurdles at thrown at us in our exports or other demand segments, this is where we need to be focused on finding new avenues to use our corn product in. How do how do we crack that kernel more ways and get more out of it? Definitely. Sarah, I'll throw it back to you if you have any final thoughts to add to what Troy was saying here before we uh, run out of time on this month's episode. Uh, Any final thoughts about the Consider Corn Challenge? I would just emphasize that these technologies take a while to to develop. And I know at times it can feel discouraging if you've been working on a technology, you're talking about a product for, you know, two, three, five years, but it really does take this type of investment and, and really this um, confluence of a marketplace that's set up correctly with the right commercialization techniques and the right supporting policy and, and market pool. So I would say don't, don't give up on, on new uses and industrial uses. They still um, have a ton of potential. And when it comes to, to additional corn grind, it's going to. Definitely. Well, I know folks can stay up to date uh, with everything that the Market Development Action Team is doing at the uh, National Corn Growers Association, as well as uh, learn more about the Consider Corn Challenge. Just go to ncga.com for more information. Troy Schneider, Sarah McKay, thank you both for joining us this month on the Monthly Grind. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jesse. Thank you. And again, that is the December episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. All right, coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. We will talk with Corey Rosenbush, the president and CEO of the Fertilizer Institute. We'll do that on the way right after this. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. 
Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains are mixed this morning. Corn is slightly lower. Beans are down five or six cents with wheats up. Chicago leading the charge there. Livestock is also mixed, but mostly higher. The feed grains are somewhat surprisingly sustaining a decent rally so far this week, led by a wheat recovery from lows as the market notes a string of flash sales of hard red winter wheat to China. This morning, USDA announced another private export sales of 372,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat for delivery to China in the 23-24 marketing year. Now more will be needed to sustain the charge amid a slow fundamental period. Now USDA is on tap for Friday, but few changes are expected from a normally mild December supply and demand report. It's probably a bit too early for USDA to have much opinion on the largest safrina crop in Brazil to be planted starting in late January. South American crop areas are receiving beneficial rains with concerns over dry northern Brazilian corn and soybean regions lessening. Now we're still monitoring dryness in around 20 to 25 percent of the Brazilian soybean growing areas going forward here, but that number is improved from recent weeks and a massive drought event and crop impact looks to be avoided at least for now. We may even see the Argentine soybean production raised a bit while Brazil might lose a few million metric tons. Now, the value of crushed soybeans continues to exceed the cost of uncrushed beans by a generous margin and remains a bullish source of support for soybean demand in the U.S. Yesterday's lower close turned the trend down for July soybeans, but prices continue to hold support above the $13 level. We also saw this morning USDA announce a private export sales of 136,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year. And later today, the U.S. Energy Department will give an update on ethanol production, which continues to benefit from generous margins at ethanol plants, even though ethanol prices have been falling. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Everyone has a community to lean on. A neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
Welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Find your everyday products powered locally at your nearest Cenex location. You usually can find it right around the corner, or you can go to Cenex.com to find your nearest location to you. Well, joining us now as we uh, have a conversation about what's happening in the fertilizer markets and more, he is the president and CEO of the Fertilizer Institute. Corey Rosenbush is joining us here on AOA Today. Corey, great to have you on the program. I hope you are doing well. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Jesse. It's a pleasure to be here and talk a little fertilizer. Well, let's dive in and uh, just give us an update on, on kind of what you're seeing in the fertilizer markets as a whole. I know we've kept our eye on issues in the Middle East and things in Europe, of course, uh, as we get a lot of fertilizer from that part of the world here to the U.S. I know this has kind of been a critical time period for fall application. We're thinking about next spring, et cetera. So just give us the thousand foot view to start. How are things sitting right now with the, with the fertilizer market? Well, I know I know from a farmer perspective, it's in a much better shape than the roller coaster ride we've been on the last two years. So, you know, starting earlier this year, we really saw those prices come down from from some of the uh, elevated levels that we'd experienced the last two years. I think as I talk to growers, the the thing that I always emphasize is that 2000, you know, 18, 19, we were coming off of historic lows. So, as the supply chains and the chaos that we went through and some of that volatility play out and, and those uh, you know, trade flow shift, uh, don't expect necessarily we're going to go back to those historic lows because those were decade-long historic lows, but we're now at at least a, a little bit, hopefully, more stable uh, situation. When, that, when those prices did come down early this year, I think uh, you know, we were all hoping for a soft landing. Generally speaking, I think a lot of the ag retail that were holding some positions uh, were able to mitigate um, that transition well. Not to say everyone did. I think if you talk to folks in the Southeast, for example, there was mm -hmm. quite a bit of write-off of inventory uh, that we're you know, setting on from higher prices last year. Uh, I think the consistent theme though, is everybody completely emptied their sheds. And so, you know, we were starting from zero and, and starting to rebuild up that inventory. As we looked at the fall, I, I think uh, talking to some of the Midwest retailers, we were seeing record high anhydrous applications, the highest highest uh, volumes of anhydrous they've ever done this past fall. And so now just getting prepared for spring and hoping no catastrophic events happen that that swing sure. us into to a bit of chaos. Well, and I know we follow the uh, the fertilizer prices uh, pretty regularly, looking at uh, the DTN numbers that they usually put out weekly, et cetera. And I know things relatively evenly mixed for retail prices at the end of November. Uh, it, it sounds like, though, when I talk to a lot of farmers, uh, as we're thinking about next year, high input prices still remain one of the, the top issues uh, that farmers are worried about going into next year. Is, is that, even though prices have come down, is, is that still one of the chief concerns you hear across the Midwest right now, Corey? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody is afraid of volatility. When I say everybody, not just growers, but even um, manufacturers, distributors, retailers, it's those swings that people are concerned about. And if you just go back to, to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, of Ukraine and, and you think about 40% of global potash being in Russia and, and Belarus, that's going to have an impact. And 
you know, those kind of those kind of geopolitical events can happen overnight and can really have a, a, a pretty dramatic swing on prices. So we can't control what's happening. I mean, we've been watching Israel and, uh, you know, there are some fertilizer manufacturers in, in Israel. I was talking to one of our members there and so far ports have been open. Product has been moving. They've had some labor issues, you know, where uh, their, their employees have been called up to the uh, to the defense, the Israeli defense forces to to fight that war. And so that, they've been working through that. But for the most part, no major disruptions there. I think the key thing looking forward, though, uh, and by the way, back to Russia, Russia had a record export year last year. They exported mm -hmm. more fertilizer than ever. And so those those trade flows found their way to countries that were willing to take it, even if it wasn't Europe or Canada. Um, and, and so once those settled, we, we had a little more stability. China, I think, is the wild card here. So even as much as last week, uh, you know, they were halting. I think the term was halting inspections of cargo as the largest supplier of urea to India, which is the largest buyer of urea in the world that can create significant disruptions in the urea market. So these mm -hmm. these little sneezes that we experience across the globe can spread a cold here pretty fast. We're talking with Corey Rosenbush, the president and CEO of the Fertilizer Institute. Corey, what about the domestic fertilizer industry? I believe it was a little over a year ago, Senator Roger Marshall introduced the Fertilizer Sustain Act uh, as part of kind of looking at the domestic fertilizer industry and you know, just thinking about, you know, you mentioned Russia, China, et cetera, trying to minimize some of our dependence on some of that forward fertilizer. I mean, where do things stand domestically? Yeah, we we have a, um, a significant push in Congress right now with the farm bill uh, hearing that actually is going on this morning. And we had the extension, of course, but uh, that doesn't slow down the pace to get a new farm bill passed. And included in that would be some focus around bolstering domestic production. Um, we're all we're a net importer of fertilizer, and I, I don't necessarily see that changing. But the more options uh, a farmer has domestically, the better. And one of the biggest hurdles we face is just regulation and permitting, uh, as an example. So as we think about phosphate, uh, one of our phosphate member companies have been going through a process that they just completed this summer to get a new phosphate phosphate mine permitted. Mm -hmm. it took 10 years and 32 million dollars to get through that that process and a lot of those being some of the environmental hurdles they have to go through with environmental permitting and so if there are ways to designate uh phosphate potash as critical minerals it helps expedite some of that process uh, as we think about general regulations around uh, air permits and being able to expand expand production plants uh, it helps us increase our production here. From a nitrogen standpoint, we're still pretty strong. Um, as long as the natural gas situation stays the way it is, uh, United States has some of the most affordable and abundant natural gas supply, which of course is that raw, uh, that stock uh, that goes into uh, ammonia production and uh, will continue to be competitive there. We are watching the winter in Europe and what happens there and see how that impacts natural gas prices in Europe and ultimately impact globally on, on ammonia. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the farm bill and uh, that hearing ongoing Wednesday morning, uh, your thoughts uh, being in DC, uh, what you've heard 
in terms of uh, getting this farm bill done, a new five-year farm bill, and getting as many priorities met as we possibly can in that farm bill. I know it's always a heavy lift, Corey. Any updates, anything new you're hearing on that front right now? Um, you know, I, I not nothing necessarily new other than that, you know, Chairman Thompson is still very committed um, to, to getting a farm bill passed as quickly as possible. I think the new speaker has it on radar. And so now it's just a matter of getting it prioritized on the calendar and uh, up for votes. So, I, I, you know, I can speak from an inputs perspective and then even from an ag perspective, we're, we're all still pushing hard to make sure that happens as expeditiously as possible. We were very relieved by the extension. Um, two, of, two of our priorities, one being the, the critical minerals is very important because of the lead time it takes for some of these production plants. Uh, but also some of the, the sustainability and conservation uh, programs that are, are really important as we think about uh, efficient use of, of nutrients and nutrient stewardship that are included in the farm bill. Corey, uh, before we wrap it up here a couple minutes, uh, I want to ask about logistics and what the fertilizer industry is watching. We haven't had a whole lot of talk about logistic challenges. Uh, I know for a while there we had problems with rail, truck, and the river system. Right now, Mainly just the, the low water levels of the Mississippi River system seems to be the big thing I'm hearing. Is that kind of the same for you? Yeah, Jesse, I hope you didn't just jinx us. Um, I hope not. Knock on wood. <laughs> kind of like the announcer's curse on a field goal kick there. Um, I I think we, we've been um, fortunate on the rail front. Now, some of, some, some of my member companies will roll my eyes as I say this, but we had a couple of surface transportation board members that oversee uh, rail service that commented to us at a meeting a couple of weeks ago that rail service has you know, dramatically improved over the last year. And I think, I think that's accurate. I think some of it's because volumes are way down. And so if we see the same kind of uptick in volumes over the next year, will the system handle it? Um, the, the, the five major uh, railroads in this country all got new CEOs and there seems to be a, uh, a re renewed focus on service. So we're, we're, uh, we're currently in a, in a, favorable spot from a rail perspective. Um, I think the the waterways is always a place where we hold our breath. Uh, mm -hmm. It's too much or not enough water. Uh, fortunately, you know, from what I've been hearing, we've been able to mitigate most of that. And uh, it's just about positioning um, that that product in the in the right spot at the right time. I think what's critical there from a grower perspective is to make sure you know, they are communicating their needs to the retailer well in advance. That spot market just in time, last minute, last 20% purchase, you know, you have a disruption in a waterway, it's hard to get a barge up the river at the last minute if it's needed. Well, I know folks could stay up to date with uh, everything that is going on with the Fertilizer Institute and the work you guys do, tfi.org. Corey Rosenbush, President and CEO of the Fertilizer Institute. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. We'll have you back on again soon. Oh, thanks. My pleasure, Jesse. All right. Coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. We're going to learn more about uh, groups urging extension of some critical tax provisions. Leah Biondo, Director of Advocacy with the Rural and Agriculture Council of America, joins us next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. 
Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Loss of sight won't blind our vision. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Learn more at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Kids across America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day. Hungry kids get sick more often and can struggle in school. It can be harder for them to focus and learn. But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America, No Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Jake Niederer, a senior director of phosphate risk management with CHS, about how the fertilizer industry is changing. Jake, why is improving fertilizer efficiency vital to the industry and farmers? We've got government regulation that's requiring and mandating some of these changes. And then the other thing, too, is just from a historical perspective, farmers have always been the best stewards of the land. They've been the best environmentalists. And so as science evolves, as technology improves, they're at the forefront of wanting the solutions to make their ground the most profitable and productive as possible. Well, what are cooperatives doing to help farmers maximize their fertilizer investment? I think our place today is to work in hand in hand with these companies that are really pushing the agenda of research and developing new products, new technologies, or producing old products in new ways. We've got nitrogen production changes that are occurring to decrease the amount of carbon in that production process. And so we have a partnership with CF Industries that uh, we're very excited about. We try to utilize in our footprint nitrogen stabilizers that we have available today to help decrease the carbon footprint and to increase fertilizer efficiency. Some of those are phosphate fertilizer efficiency products as well as nitrogen stabilizers. And that's our role is to bring those forward and to make sure they're on hand for growers and that we do the right job of educating the growers of those opportunities that are out there. Well, Jake, as our listeners make crop nutrient plans for next year, what should they know about the fertilizer supply situation? Inventories in the United States, whether we're talking nitrogen fertilizers, phosphate fertilizers, are at some very low levels compared to historical normals. Production of domestic producers on the phosphate front have been down, and that's going to be a key factor that weighs on the buildup of stocks for this coming spring. Thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. 
Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program today. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel is fueled by innovation and powered to perform. Find your nearest location online at Cenex.com. I know we are working to get connected with Leah Biondo here uh, this morning to talk about some critical tax provisions uh, that uh, some rural advocacy groups are Looking to get extended, so we'll hopefully get her connected here in just a second. Great conversations uh, on the show so far today, though. Corey Rosenbush with the Fertilizer Institute. Always good to get some perspective on what's happening in the fertilizer industry. Key, key inputs there for our farmers and ranchers across the country. And then also the December monthly grind with the National Corn Growers Association. Really cool stuff to alert about uh, just all the different things that our corn is being used for. So I uh, appreciate uh, Troy and Sarah from NCGA joining us here today. All right, we are connected now with Leah Biondo, Director of Advocacy with the Rural and Agriculture Council of America. Leah, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate the time. Good morning, Jesse, and good morning, AOA listeners. So get us up to speed. I saw this come across my desk a few days ago and, and reached out because I think it's very, very important. We have some expiring or nearly expired tax incentives coming up. What exactly are we looking at here? Can you start there? Yeah, so the uh, the item that came across your desk the other week, uh, the Rural and Agriculture Council of America and six other organizations sent a letter to Congress urging the extension of these critical tax provisions. Now, there are three tax provisions that we are focused on right now, and those um, are are fairly important to producers and and those families in rural America. Um, Those uh, provisions that are set to expire soon include full expensing of investments in new equipment. So this would, um, under the current schedule, drop to an 80% deduction in 2023, 60% in 2024, 40% 40% in 2025, and then effectively phase out completely by 2026. So that's full expensing of investments in new equipment, which farmers and ranchers do quite often, of course, right? Mm-hmm. The second yeah. is full expensing of research and development investments. Now, this expired in 2021. And, you know, because of that expirement, it effectively penalizes investment in the development of, of better, faster, or more efficient technologies. Again, 
something that uh, either farmers and ranchers are dealing with or the, you know, our, our corporate partners who, who help us innovate and, and make better um, purchasing decisions on, on the farmer ranch. The third is a change to the formula on how business ca- businesses calculate deductions, and that kind of results in a tighter overall limit on what businesses can claim on their tax bill. So as you can see, these are very important, very relevant to producers, and um, they're either set to expire or, in the case of the one I just mentioned, have already expired. I think about this as well, and I agree with you, very, very important uh, tax provisions here for our farmers and ranchers across the country and our rural businesses. I think about this too. You look under the lens of the high interest rate environment we are in right now as well, and I think that even makes this even more important just because of some of the issues that uh, that farmers and ranchers are dealing with uh, with farm finances here in this current environment, Leah? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, uh, most of your listeners kind of understand how unique the agriculture business climate is. You've got high upfront costs in equipment, land, labor. You've got unpredictable weather changes, both on market conditions and more. As you mentioned, the higher interest rates, inflation, all of these things can impact producers' bottom lines. And so, from the Rural and Agriculture Council of America's perspective, the one thing that should remain stable and predictable is the U.S. tax code. Allowing these to, um, allowing these tax provisions to expire is, is really a significant added cost of doing business. Um, not to mention, you know, it's good to have these in place. They allow businesses to invest in new growth, which helps create jobs and boost local economies. So, Leah, if folks want to have their voice heard, farmers and ranchers and other folks across rural America, uh, to tell their their congressmen and women and leaders in in D.C. to make sure they get these uh, tax, um, get these extended, I should say, get these provisions <laughs> extended. Um, I'm I'm sure if they reach out to their their congressmen or women or their senators, uh, that would be an important help as well to go along with the work that. Uh, the uh, many organizations uh, that signed on to this letter are doing, wouldn't it? It would, it would. And so when you do call your members of Congress, listen, they're going to know what you're talking about. You don't have to be an expert in all 6,871 pages of the tax code. You tell them that they should extend the, the tax provisions that are expiring or set to expire this year. And we need to um, take action as soon as possible. We've got the end of the 2023 tax year coming quickly. Most businesses are already almost done planning for 2024. So these um, these timelines mean that the stability is more important now than ever. And, you know, we, we, we got to extend these critical tax provisions along with the child tax credit. Um, that's not one that I mentioned earlier, but the child tax credit is also important. These help keep more dollars in the pockets of rural families, they boost innovation in the agriculture sector, and they help create jobs. So it's really a win-win-win, consumers, taxpayers, and uh, the federal government. Leah, we got about uh, 30 seconds here, or 45 seconds. Any final thoughts you would share uh, about uh, getting these tax provisions extended? Like I said, calling your members of Congress, most important uh, to do. You can do that by dialing the Capitol Hill switchboard. Uh, Just Google that number. I almost had it rattled off in my head, but I've uh, unfortunately 
forgotten it just now. But, uh, you know, you're best off kind of asking your financial advisor how these changes may affect you and then telling those stories to Congress. These individual stories are what's really important to them. Your voter, your voice matters. Everything that you, um, you know, you relayed to them should be important to them as well. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate the time. Leah Biondo, Director of Advocacy for the Rural and Agriculture Council of America. Leah, thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. Thank you for the time. All right. We are out of time on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesels, like Cenex Roadmaster XL, Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster. Find more info at Cenex.com. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Dr. Glenn Tonsor from Kansas State University and markets with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted card to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. 